Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Garth Kelly and the Napkin Notes Dad. I've been diagnosed with cancer five times since 2011, but more importantly, I'm known as the guy who writes notes and sticks them in his daughter's lunch, and I've been doing that every day since she was in kindergarten. I'm Dara Kurtz, author of Crush Cancer and creator of CrazyPerfectLife.com. I'm a wife, a mom, and a cancer thriver. Garth, guess what we're going to talk about today? I can't even imagine. We are going to share our stories, tell the audience a little bit about how we got here, and what this podcast is all about. That's awesome. I, I'm excited about this because I'm a geek and I love superheroes. <laughs> And I think that origin stories are so important. Like you want to know how this guy earned his cape, right? I and, want to know. And uh, and it makes me feel a little less yucky as a cancer patient. You know, you're not wearing a Star Wars shirt right now. I noticed that. I am not. Uh, that's actually a topic for one of our future podcasts. Okay, audience, you will have to wait. Um, but I so uh, I will. Since Dara alluded to it, I will say I wear Star Wars shirts. I wear them for every single doctor's appointment, and there's a reason why. Outside of the fact that I love lightsabers and the Force. The Force. The Force. Well, so um, I guess I'll start. Um, I'm currently 49, and um, I was diagnosed with cancer for my first time when I was 42. I didn't really have any signs or symptoms that there was something wrong. If anything, in hindsight, I, I, my, my neck and back were a little sore, but I really thought that I just needed a new pillow or new running shoes. I was exercising pretty frequently back then, and I still had this like stomach. And I remember sitting in my truck one time, buckling my seatbelt, thinking, gosh, you know, I'm working out and I'm running, and what is going on here? You well, just thought it was kind of like middle age. I I thought maybe I needed to give up chips or something. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I, I was generally working out pretty pretty okay. And I thought that my diet was, was at least above average. But I just had this stomach that didn't seem to want to go away. Um, and it, it wasn't enough to force me to give up snacks, though. And so um, out of the blue, I experienced a symptom that was pretty severe and I was smart enough to go to the doctor and I went to the doctor and uh, he said you know let's let's run a urine test ran the test right there and he said you know this could be something it could be nothing I'd like to send you to a specialist and uh, you know this whole something or nothing I don't know if he was trying to ease my concerns but something or nothing isn't some, it, it's not words that you want to hear from your doctor. I can't even imagine how you left that appointment and went home and just kind of went on with your day without focusing on that. Well, especially because as we were wrapping up, he said, look, if you can't get an appointment at the Virginia, Virginia urology, call me and I'll get it for you. Never a good sign. Not a good sign. Um, so fortunately, I was able to get in with the referral. And uh, by the luck of the draw, went in to see Dr. Bradford, who I absolutely love. 
Um, I love him so much that I'm saying his name in public, um, <laughs> which, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily say about their doctors. Yeah. Yeah. And so I go into that office, almost the same routine. Uh, let's, you know, let's do a blood draw. Let's take a look at um, your urine results. And they're doing this all right there. Uh, so I, there's no, no lines, no waiting, basically. Nice. And nice, but not so nice if you think about it. Right. Yeah, I, like, but I know. I hear you. Hey, Mr. Kellyan, we're going to we think that this might be so serious that we're going to run the test right now. <laughs> and then we're going to put you in the hospital immediately. That's right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And so um, Dr. Bradford said the same thing when he got the results. This could be something. It could be nothing. And I'm thinking, is this in a textbook somewhere? You know, did you guys go to the same medical school? Because um, you're not easing my fears, but you're not saying that this is something, right? But they, were, they were kind of managing your expectations though, in a way. They were, and admittedly, again, knowing what I know about kidney cancer now, kidney cancer isn't really detectable in a lot of the ways that they're looking at. So I did have blood in my urine and that's what they were seeing, but there wasn't really anything else. So they did need further tests. I got scheduled for a CT exam I went in a couple of days later, had the CT, and um, unfortunately, when I was getting ready to get the results, I was by myself. Lisa wasn't, Lisa, my wife, she wasn't there. And we, we, I mean, everybody kind of thought it was an infection or so, you know, something not serious. You weren't expecting it to be something that you needed to take your wife to. Right. And, and to be honest, you know, who takes their wife to their urologist office, right? I mean, age forty-two. Right, right. Not like you are eighty years old, right? Um, and so, so you know, I'm sitting there, and Doctor Bradford comes into the room, and he starts to switch on the computer screens, like he's got to show me something. And I'm a smart enough guy that I realize that he's not flipping these computer screens on so that we can play the latest video game that he likes. <laughs> Um, although that would have been really cool. Um, and so he says, yeah, Mr. Kellyan, there's, you've got a tumor and it looks like it's about 12 centimeters. And he's showing me everything up on the computer screens. He's showing me the different angles and the different pictures from the scan. He points to one little section. He says, it looks like it might've spread. Mm. And as he's saying this, my, my mind is shutting down. Right. So he said cancer and tumor and suddenly I get tunnel vision. Yeah, because you were just supposed to get a, a follow up appointment and be done and uh, move on with your life. Yeah. An infection, kidney stone, you know, something something that we could take care of pretty quickly. And I, I honestly had a hard time hearing. Right. So I, you know, it my audio senses just kind of shut down and I'm hearing white noise and I'm starting to get clammy and I'm, you know, lightheaded. And we sat in the office and I think that he probably talked for about 20 or 30 minutes at that point. He was laying out plans, the future tests that I needed, getting things ready for me. And you were and, in shock. And I was in shock. I, I clearly wasn't listening. And as, as we wrapped up, you know, again, a, a zinger in the wrap up is, you know, Mr. Callian, like I said, it looks like it may have spread. And the mortality rate for kidney cancer that has spread is really high. 
And I, I, what what do you do when a doctor says that to you? Well, um, I mean, I kind of just left. I mean, I didn't know I've never, I've never had conversations with a a doctor that weren't easy. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, Mr. Callahan, your blood pressure is a little high. Lay off the chips. (laughs) <laughs> right. Hey, Mr. Callahan, you're still five foot ten. That's awesome, right? Hey, you know we did we we did your physical and your EKGs. Great. Hey, your mortality rate is really high. Yeah, and and what's really high? Right. Give me a number. Right. right. Well, you're yeah yeah. So I go home and, and start and start googling probably eventually. Well, knowing me and knowing the time that this was going on. I may have even been doing it while driving home. Nice. Um, I don't do that now. I'm more <laughs> educated and I understand that my phone does not belong in my hands as I drive. Good. But back then, I, if I, driving, I may have. If you're driving while listening to this podcast, do not drive and text. That's right. Um, and so you can run with scissors, but do not drive and text. Right. Um, and, and if our children are listening to this, never, ever text and drive. Yes, you'll lose your phone and your car. It's that simple. <laughs> um, and so I get home and Lisa wasn't there. And I and and I knew she was out picking up Emma doing something. I whether she was picking up Emma from school or I'm not sure. But so I'm home by myself after having driven back from the doctor's office, which was about a 25-minute drive, and Lisa starts calling me because she knows that I'm finished up with the doctor at this point, right? Just She just assumes she knew what time the appointment was and I don't answer the phone. And she keeps calling over and over and over again. And I avoid her call because there is no way that I'm going to tell her that I have cancer while mm-hmm. she is driving. With your daughter in with the car. My, exactly, right? I mean, there's just no way I cannot put my family through that. And so I... I just ignore the call until she, you know, pulls in the driveway and she walks in the house and she's walking down this, the center hallway from the front door to our kitchen. And she said, so, you know, what's going on? What did the doctor say? And I wait until Emma leaves the area. And I said, I, I have cancer. And, and to be honest, I don't remember the conversation. I, I don't remember any of any of the, what happened the rest of the afternoon. And that was the moment that your lives changed forever. It was awful. Yeah. Um, I mean, especially because we had that whole, you know, mortality rate thing hanging over our heads. Yeah. yeah. So um, we quickly, uh, Dr. Bradford had scheduled a bunch more tests for us already. So everything was laid out. Um, he did not know me as a patient at this point. Um, and so we were just starting our doctor patient relationship, but he took care of me pretty, pretty well. Right. So he set me up with three more scans. We went through those scans. Unfortunately, it was right before Thanksgiving. Mm. So we had to wait, wait until after the Thanksgiving weekend. And, uh, Lisa and I went back in, uh, actually the day after our anniversary and, um, talked to the doctor and he said look you know here's here's what the scans see the good thing was it didn't appear to have spread um the bad thing yeah thank goodness the bad thing was that even if it wasn't um cancerous 
whatever was in my body was so big that it was actually starting to do me harm and it needed to come out no matter what. So we had surgery scheduled and um, a couple of weeks after that I had surgery, we cut it out and I was, um, I was deemed cancer free at that point. So we took out a 13 centimeter tumor and just for reference, that's about the size of a good size grapefruit. Wow. Which is, by the way, why as much as I was exercising, my stomach wasn't getting any smaller. So did your stomach get smaller after they took it out? <laughs> so Dr. Bradford actually said to me after the surgery, he said, you know, Garth, as we wheeled you into surgery, I could immediately tell that you had a tumor in your body just by oh, looking at oh, you. That's crazy. It is. Um, and so I, I had a couple of follow-up meetings with different oncologists and they all basically said, look, you know, statistically speaking, you don't have cancer. There's not really treatments for you. We can try to get you into some trials, but it's going to be really hard because you don't have cancer. Kind of go, go on and have a good life. And I will tell you that, you know, that's my origin story, but over the course of the next three years, I would be diagnosed with cancer three more times. And I was just diagnosed with cancer again a few weeks ago. So it's spread to my lungs and, uh, and I take daily chemotherapy. So for those of you who might be Googling Garth Callahan or Napkin Notes Dad, you'll see this wonderful um, bright white hair. And that's actually the most obvious side effect of my treatment. Uh, so the, the daily chemotherapy has made my hair white and has completely changed the, the way I look and feel. And so, I like your white hair though. I'm just saying, like I was actually going back and I was looking at, for those of you who don't know, Garth was on a bunch of talk shows years ago and I was looking at, I think it was the one when you were on Rachel Ray, you and Emma, and your hair was darker then, right? It was. I, I know you then. So <laughs> I was kind of like, wait, this isn't Garth. Anyway, come on. Yeah, I had actually just started treatment as we were recording that episode. I think that um, I was maybe two or three weeks in, um, and I was terrified of the the hair color change. I mean, I, I was 42, 43, 44, something like that. I didn't want to have white hair. I, I mean, that would make me look old. Um, you know what I should have been worried about? Nausea. Yeah. Vomiting. That's, right. that's a whole nother podcast. Right. So I shouldn't have been so concerned about my white hair. Um, and uh, 47 days after I started treatment, my hair turned white and here I am. So um, that's my origin story. And but I, here you are. Here you are. Absolutely. And I am I am 100% a successful cancer patient. And again, thank you for listening to our podcast. You'll learn more about what we think success looks like for everybody. And, um, and that's why we're here. And Dara, I'm sure that you have um, an equally disturbing origin story, right? Because they're all bad. Yeah, they're all bad. And you know what I think is so interesting is every person that, of course, you and I talk to so many people now from all over the world and everyone that we talk to who has been down this path, I mean, everyone has a story. And you know, what's interesting is my story started when I was 42, like you were 42. I mean, I think that's kind of interesting. I'm almost 47 and at the time my kids were 11 and 14. I was feeling great. I was busy living my life. I exercised like you did 
all the time. I watched everything that I ate. I thought I was living a really healthy lifestyle and everyone in my family got a cold and I couldn't seem to shake it. Everyone was getting better, but mine was kind of lingering. And so I thought, you know what? I need an antibiotic. And so back in the day, I didn't, I never really took medication. It was kind of like a big deal for me to take an antibiotic, but finally begrudgingly, I went to the doctor to get an antibiotic. And while there, I happened to say, Hey, I have this random spot on one of my breasts. It's kind of like this lump. What do you think? And the doctor kind of didn't shake it off like I thought she would. I thought she would just be like, oh, it's fine. It's nothing. Instead, she seemed really concerned. And that led to me getting a biopsy um, after getting a bunch of other diagnostic tests. And the biopsy ended up indicating that it was breast cancer. And so I remember going to get that initial appointment to figure out if it was really anything that we needed to biopsy. And I didn't take my husband, John, because, you know, it's very similar to your story. I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. I thought it was just, oh, we're, we're trying to be extra conservative. It's good to be, it's good to be really conservative. It's good to do these extra tests. And I was sitting on the couch and listening to this doctor use words like mass and 70% chance of cancer and we need to do a biopsy. And I remember my hands started shaking. I started crying. I couldn't stop crying. Somehow I drove myself home and called John and he came home immediately. And it's just, you really go from living life and everything being completely fine and great to everything not being fine and great in this Face and it happens so quickly. Um, but mine did end up being breast cancer and I was lucky. I found it relatively early, but I did still go through a lot. I went through chemo and radiation and surgery and more surgery. And really when I got to the end of that journey and the doctor said, okay, Dara, it's time to go back to living your life. That's when for me, things got especially hard because I didn't know how to live my life anymore. I didn't know who I was. I had changed so much after what I had gone through. You know, I so <clears throat> when I tell my own uh, origin story, uh, somehow I can disassociate with sharing my story. Like it's it's part of me, but I don't necessarily get all emotional. I, you've, oh, I mean, we've told our stories so many times also. But I'm, I'm standing here listening to you tell your story and I've known you for a long time and thank goodness this is not a video podcast because my eyes are like all watery. Aww, funny. <laughs> because, I mean, I just, I, I, I don't know. It's so hard for me to hear somebody else share something that, I mean, yeah, I went through it, but yeah. I, I don't know. Well, I just... Especially because I think you totally can relate to this and everyone listening who has children and who has to who is diagnosed with cancer while raising younger children, I think that makes it especially more heart-wrenching. And you know my girls. And, you know, I love your family. And that just makes, I think, it maybe hit us, hit home more. Because you see my daughters and you think, okay, I know what they must have gone through, what they must have seen, just like I know how it, it impacted your, your family and your daughter. Yeah. You know, thank um, goodness for your doctor, because, you know, I'm I know. Right. And you know what? That was a random doctor in a morning clinic. And I actually have no, I don't even know that person's name. And I have never gone back 
And I probably should. I should probably try to find her and say, you saved my life. Yeah. I mean, how many other doctors might have just said, oh, Dara's here for a cold. And now she's talking about this other thing. Yeah. Like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. And you know what's so interesting? Because, and I don't know if you feel this way, but I looked so healthy. I was like an image of a 42-year-old, very fit woman who was very in shape and healthy. And so I think a lot of doctors maybe would have been like, oh, you're fine. You're, but thank goodness she didn't dismiss it. Thank goodness she didn't dismiss it. But so I remember being in that space after I finished everything and thinking, okay, I don't know how to live anymore. The doctor said, go back to living your life. And you might've felt this way, but I had changed. And so many people who have been down the cancer path find this to be a very anxiety provoking time. And so that's when I thought, you know what? I don't want to go back to work. I was a financial advisor. And I thought, you know what? I have things to say. I want to start my blog, crazyperfectlife.com. And, you know, that's kind of when you and I eventually brought, were brought together. Yeah, you know, I, I went down the but same no. path as you. I, you know, my doctor said, hey, go have a good life. And I, although admittedly I was still in pain from surgery, it was a it was a pretty rough surgery. However, I didn't have cancer, right? So that was the the good thing that I was trying to hold on to. But I almost felt like I was going through the motions and not really living life. Like I, I had a lot of anger that I was trying to suppress. I was working, you know, I was doing the dad thing, I was doing the husband thing, but I didn't I don't know, I I, I didn't feel like I was invested in my life anymore. What did you find that you're, were you, did you have a lot of fear in that space or were you mostly oh, kind of like, I, I, and... I, I was also terrified of dying. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was, and not for myself. Yeah. For your daughter. Absolutely. For my wife and daughter. And, and yeah. I thought, you know, especially my daughter, she was 12. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I don't want her to grow up without a dad. How do I, how do I stop this from happening? And I felt powerless. And that's really, I think. We, we both have been down that path. I don't think there's a, a person who's heard the words, you have cancer, that hasn't been in that space and feeling powerless. And that's really why we created the Thrive Podcast, because we want to show people, gosh, there are so many thousands and thousands of people around the world who are either living with cancer and it's a chronic condition that they're managing or they have been down the cancer path or they know someone and love someone who has been diagnosed with cancer and we want to show people that you can hear the words you have cancer and you can move you, you can thrive with your life right i think one of the biggest reasons why we're doing this podcast and we're not always going to be focusing on cancer but that that is that is in fact how we met and it's how we both started our, our respective paths but there's so many ways to be successful and we we've kind of already made those mistakes right we've I, I will admit I spent way too much time sitting on my sofa watching stupid TV shows in the middle of the night when I should have been asleep so I could prep and, and be a better husband and a better dad and I spent way too many many nights lying in bed googling uh oh answer statistics and stages and 
reading all of the heart-wrenching stories that are out there. So we want to show that, you know what, there are a lot of heart-wrenching stories out there, but guess what? There are a lot of people that are doing great, amazing, positive things, and they're outliving their lives, and they're thriving. You know you know what? I just came up with an idea as you were talking about this. And uh, we, we need to trademark it <laughs> and then sell it to doctor's offices. There needs to be like a little pamphlet that says, hey, you've just had a really, you've just received a really tough diagnosis. Don't go Google stuff. Yeah, come to our podcast. Yeah, don't, don't, don't try to figure out what the doctors know or don't try to figure out how to cure yourself. Um, don't look at the statistics because uh, um, the statistics don't, statistic. yeah, you're, not, you're a not a statistic. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so important. It's so easy for people to hear the doctor say what your doctor said in that moment, there's a very high mortality rate or your statistic is blah, blah, blah. And then people get so laser focused on that. They forget they're not a statistic and it almost like consumes their whole entire everything. You know, one of the things I did um, to help my doctor understand me as well as to have to communicate to him that I was not going to be just a statistic was I, um, the next appointment I brought in a Star Wars figure and it was a 2-1-B droid. It was a medical droid. And I slid it across the desk to him and he he's looking at me like, wait a minute, what is this guy doing? Oh, he's looking at you like, who is this nut job? That... I know, I know. Great. <laughs> I can't believe that this guy's in my practice. And he said, and I said, I said to him, Dr. Bradford, this is the guy who saves the heroes in the movies. And then I looked him in the eye and I said, it's your job to save me. Oh, that is so beautiful. I love that. I mean, how could you, you're just the perfect patient, Garth. You know, I, I think that I might be a PETA patient. Do you know what a PETA patient is? Yeah. I Pain think in the ass patient. Yeah. But you're still laced with like all these, all this coolness, you know? Well, I've, I've done my best and, um, and I've had a lot of practice at it this, at this point. True that, unfortunately, true that. But you are an inspiration and you're thriving and um, such a blessing to everyone listening to this podcast. So um, Garth, guess what time it is? I know what time it is. It's time for our thriving tip. So our thriving tip is a tip that you're going to get every time you listen to our podcast. Inspirational words of wisdom that we think will help you as you move forward in your day. So today's thriving tip is, ready for it? Getting cancer is not a death sentence. Getting cancer is not a death sentence. So nobody wants to get a cancer diagnosis. Nobody wants to hear the words, you have cancer. We get it, we've lived it. But it doesn't mean that you can't get through it, that you can't move forward. It might not be a lot of fun, it might not be something that you want to go through. You might have a lot of hard days, hard moments, challenges, but you can get to the other side. You know, uh, I think one of the things that best sums that up is that your your cancer diagnosis is not a prognosis. I love that. So, yeah. um, you know, you you have the ability to make good medical choices and build good teams around you. Um, but it is it is absolutely not a death sentence. And again, we'll talk about this in a future podcast, but I've actually had very tough discussions about not just mortality rates, but 
uh, lifespan and things like that with my doctors. And, um, and here I am still seven years later going strong. Um, and because you're not a statistic. That's right. Because I'm not a statistic. If anything, I'm a statistic of one. I love it. Um, I'm, sure. I'm actually reserving that, that web address right now. Statistic of one. <laughs> statistic of one.com. Oh my gosh. Well, oh, you know what? Speaking of which, I'm sorry. I've been reluctant. I, I haven't thought about this. I know Dar is better at this than I am. Um, I, I am Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes Dad. And if you'd like to learn more about me, you can find me at napkinnotesdad.com. And check me out at crazyperfectlife.com. Share our tip, our, our quote for the day. Yeah. So um, like I said earlier, I write notes on napkins and I stick them in my daughter's lunch. Um, that's, that's my thing. And so I have been doing this ever since Emma was in kindergarten. She is about to graduate high school. Another podcast. Because Another I, podcast. I have a graduating senior as well. So stay tuned if you're in that space. <laughs> that is a whole different level of stress. We might need a lot of Kleenex for that one. Um, and so one of the notes that I wrote to Emma back in August of 2013 has stuck with me. And again, I think this really sums up kind of what, what our mission and our goals are here on the Thrive Podcast. It's a quote by Annette Funicello. Life doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. That's beautiful. So um, so if you are listening, thank you. This is our very first podcast. It's the first of our series. So we know that, um, we know that uh, this is our entry level to podcasting. Hey, we're just going to get better. That's right. So we're going to... It's all, it's all uphill from here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It only gets better. You know what? I, I guarantee you, though, that the price of this podcast makes it worth it. Yes, absolutely. And you are sure to get little nuggets of inf uh, information, even if it's not delivered in the most professional manner. <laughs> that's right. Well, you know what? It, it's it's what we're getting paid to do as well, right? Right. And we're... and we. If we're not we're re if we're not anything, we're real. We're That's real. Right. That's right. Yeah. So and and you you will never hear from us something that is not genuine. We are you know we're living examples of what we do, and you know we walk the talk, we walk the walk, and we talk the talk, and we 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 don't pull any punches, we don't hide. You'll find that I talk very blatantly and openly about bad stuff and great stuff. So we don't hide anything. We'll see you next time. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created by Dara Kurtz of Crazy Perfect Life and Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes Dad, with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.